Hey everybody, it's Rogelio here for Motor City Metrics and our bonus content this week. I thanks to Chris McCoskey of the Detroit News for joining us. We talked winter meetings, his days cover the Pistons, a little bit of everything, and we definitely appreciate it. And so as the holidays come nearby, we're probably going to do a couple more episodes. I'm going to do a slight holiday break, unless breaking news happens, of course. But it, we are starting a, I think we're going to start a GoFundMe for our Mecca spring training. So that's going to start here in the next week or so. With the holidays, rough time for everybody, I understand. But if you can help us out, great. There's a PayPal link that you can donate to in our episode. All of it goes towards costs for our trips to the minor leagues and, and everything else like that. So just wanted to throw that out there. Thanks again for listening. And hopefully, all of you celebrate your holidays is going well. We'll talk to you soon. And welcome back to uh, Motor City Metrics here. We are pleased to be joined by a veteran Detroit News scribe, Chris McCoskey. Uh, and thanks for joining us, Chris, after the the Detroit uh, kind of uh, anticlimactic uh, appearance there at the winter meetings. But uh, before we get into all that, we, we like to ask our first time guests uh, if they would mind sharing with us their earliest baseball memory. Okay, this is you're going to use this against me like as an old age joke, right? Because because I'm going to no, go back no. a few years farther than you guys. <laughs> um, I know the first one I, I remember. I mean, I was I saw Nolan Ryan pitch a no hitter at Tiger Stadium against the Tigers. I think that was '74. But my first memories go back to '67, um, the last day of the season. They had to win a doubleheader against California, right? To to uh, earn a tie with Boston to to get into the playoffs. And they won the first game. They were down by two. They had two on the ninth in the second game. And Dick McAuliffe, who hadn't hit into a double play all year, hit into a double play to end the season. So, yeah, my first memory, baseball memory, was tears. Oh. <laughs> tears <laughs> after they lost the final game of the season. Well, yeah, I mean, we're, we're you, you know, we're we're not exactly young over here. You, you know, the first person I ever asked this to for our podcast was Lynn Henning, your, your colleague at the news. Oh, okay. His, okay. his first baseball memory was – going to see Mickey Mantle and Al Kaline play. <laughs> <laughs> but but both Mantle and Kaline hit a home run in his first game, he said. So, nice. uh, yeah, you're well done. You're not the oldest by any means. Well, it's good to know that. <laughs> nobody built and by the way, nobody built more off the 1967 season than Hawk Harrelson cuz Ken that was his best season when he came over to Boston to help him win the division with uh, Carl Yusevsky. He got, he had a song off that too. Is I watched a documentary. And, yeah, he had a song. He he did a song. Hawk Harrelson did a song. Um, I forgot what it was. He did some sort of country music song. It was ridiculous. Yeah, don't look it up. Just watch. Just watch his. Uh, I don't know if it's a thirty for thirty or whatever they did on Hawk. That that's pretty good. That yeah. guy lived a life, man. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of country music, the winter meetings were down in Nashville. <laughs> Yeah, were they? I know. I would know. I was in Opryland Resort. I didn't get anywhere near Nashville. This place is oh, way yeah. out. It's it's out in the boonies, and it's it's a biodome. It? You know, everything's enclosed, and it's massive, and it, you get lost. So I I just felt like we were in a separate like community unto ourselves. There it was it was pretty weird. And, and as you mentioned at the top, man, it was from the Tigers' point of view, uneventful except for the fact that AJ got we 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 finally found out what we kind of already knew that he got extended. And uh, Jim Leland stole the show. So it wasn't a waste by any means. No, and, and Jim Leland is, def- is definitely deserved uh, among some of the names, too, that I mentioned, too. I think Lee Cito Gaston was on the list, too. And, and Leland, 
for what he did in Detroit, but more importantly, too, getting Pittsburgh back on the map after a successful run that the Pirates had in the 70s and then put him back on there. And the Pirates haven't been the same since. So that's how impactful he's a manager. But as far as speaking of impactful, too, one of the things that I, I took away from the winter meetings was that I don't know if it's just remembering it differently, but the lack of activity, and it goes across the board too, but what was your takeaway with the, let me just talk about the, the, I know you're focused on the Tigers, but the Juan Soto sweepstakes, the fact that he's, this is the third time in his, he's not even arbitration eligible that he's going to be traded. Now he's going to New York. That whole, it just seems like that whole thing, the way it went down, um, I just feel like Soto, this should this should have been a fit a long time ago or some point or so. it's just I don't yeah. I, I just yeah it's a little weird. I I get I get what you're saying and I agree with that. I feel like there might be a red flag involved with him somehow. I don't know him. I've I've not been in a clubhouse with him. Um, I think part of the problem is less Soto and more San Diego though. I mean they they went out and just got expensive pieces and didn't really have a clue how to put them all together. And um and then and now they're trying to get something back and kind of retool that way. I think going if, if the New York Yankees in that ballpark isn't the perfect fit for Juan Soto with that lineup batting either ahead of or behind Judge, however they want to do it, then he, there's never going to be a good fit for him because I feel like that's that's a monster waiting to happen right there. Putting him in that ballpark in that lineup, oh man, and that's home for him. So there's going to be some comfort there. Um, I think that's a dangerous team. I don't I don't think that puts the Yankees like. They're the favorites to win next year by any stretch, but man, oh man, they're they're a lot better. They weren't that fun to pitch to and play against um, without Soto and having him in that lineup, pretty powerful. Yeah, you know, with him, you know, I think it was reported a few years back that the Nationals offered him was a fifteen-year deal for like four hundred fifty million dollars, but it involved uh, you know deferments. The Nationals like to do those deferments uh, yeah. until he's like sixty or whatever, and, and he turned it down. Probably a contract. And, it, it, it does. It, it feels like it's always felt like he's a guy who just wants to get to free agency. Uh, you know, there are not a lot of guys like that anymore. It seems like a lot of guys are signing these big long deals before they get to free agency. But yeah, um, but I guess the Yankees they don't particularly care, right? They're, they're willing to retool every single year if they have to. They've got the money and the yeah, resources, and they can afford it. I mean, they're, they're yeah. in a perfect spot to afford it, and and they actually have paired their payroll right in the last couple of years. It's not like it used to be where they were luxury tax all the time. They're not like the Dodgers who just cut the check. I don't care. You know, um, yeah, they look at their but, small market compared to the Mets. <laughs> right. But it would be, none, of, none of those New Yorkers would like to hear that. I promise. <laughs> um, speaking of payroll too, it, it, you were there at the end of the press, end of the year presser with when Harris was talking about how they were going to spend, he got kind of somewhat defensive a little bit. I, I, at least I think so, but he was talking about making complimentary pieces. And so far we've seen that with the two signings, but as far as a trade market goes, we, the young players we're looking at right now, you're looking at Jace Young, and he mentioned that he's he hasn't played in AAA yet. And AAA yeah, is going not, to be. Not gonna, yeah, he's not yeah. in the same category as Malloy and Keith. Exactly. And I think fans are seemingly kind of confused or frustrated with this. But my question to you is, Chris, we you look at the Cole Key situation, he is going to be heading into camp with a chance to win the everyday second base job, do you think? Or is because even with Malloy, too, it was it's not a confusion that I remember Harris saying this oh, he's going to play in the outfield more. But then the last month of the season or so in Toledo, he was playing third base. And you've watched enough this team and you've watched AJ manage enough to know 
that you're going to have to play multiple positions. I don't think there's anybody besides Torque, Rogers, maybe Parker Meadows is a center fielder only. Um, but they're not too many every day. Hobby, obviously, it's shortstop. There's, there's the rest of those guys are going to move. He's going to mix and match. They're going to use the DH spot to mix and match. I bet Malloy, if he makes the team, is going to be a DH a lot. And I think that they are pretty sold on him as an outfielder first and a infielder if they have to. I don't think they love his, his third base play. I know they don't love his third base play. Um, so he's he's going to have to hit a ton, and he's going to have to man one of the corners. You know, when Kerry, before Kerry Carpenter came up, they were talking about like he might be a liability in right field. He's not a liability. He's not a gold glover by any stretch, but he's far from a liability. So you got to give these guys a chance, you know. And as far as um, him being defensive, at that, I don't think that was – I think it's – he wants to make the distinction between um, not having the resources and using the resources intelligently. They don't want to they – they're not just going to go buy players. And if you look at the market, who do you want them to buy? Do you want them to buy Matt Chapman and then keep Colt Keith in the minor leagues? I mean – you got, I mean, they weren't going to get in on Soto because they're not going to trade all these dudes that they've been grooming for the last two years and losing year after year to get these guys. They're not going to trade them for Juan Soto, who may or may not be, you know, poison in a clubhouse for all we know. So, I mean, I think they're being smart. I know patience is thin. I've been watching this team all these years. I know we would love to see some. I think they can compete for the, the, the weak Central Division title this year. I think they can be in the hunt for a long time. And I think there's some really good players coming. Um, and, and Harris has been steadfast from day one, not taking the bats away from guys. We're, we're not. We're not going to bring some bridge guy in there and keep a bats away from guys who could be the, the future. So I, I don't think that's nuts. I don't think that's – I think that's smart. I think it's hard to be patient. But this is only Harris's second year. So, you know, if you, if you keep changing it, it you're going to have to kind of reset the clock a little bit. And I, I like where they are. I'm not going to lie. I, I think the next year is going to be fun. You know, I think Canna is a really good pickup. I think Canna is, is a smart pickup. He's going to get on base a lot. He's going to knock in runs. He's going to show these dudes what a, what a good at bat, professional bat looks like. So, and I, I like what he's done with the coaching staff. I think Joey Cora is going to be huge. I think he's going to be huge for Javi. Um, so there, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that that I'm excited about. And camp is going to be nuts. I hope you guys can come down because <laughs> there's battles. There's legit battles. And I think they want Cole Keith to win a job. I think they want Malloy to win a job, but they're not going to hand it to him. That's so. That was what I was going to ask you. Is it's one of the you know we saw some some interviews with Harris and with Greenberg, and and they did one of the quotes that came out of that was that yeah they're not going to hand these guys jobs, which is right. that's what they have to say, right? But to your well, point, that's what it's got to be. That's what it's not just yeah. it's not just lip service, man. I mean, you just don't hand a dude that's that's played. Like how how many at bats did Colt even have? Did he even have a half a year in AAA? I don't even know. You guys are no yeah guys. he he. He had he came up in hundred bats, yeah, over hundred bats. No, see, I, it's, yeah. He played about 55, 65 games up there. He had thirteen so home runs. To do um, a job like that, you, they didn't carry no. a job, you know. No, so I, I think Cork had to go back to the minor leagues for after uh, halfway through his first year. So I, I think yeah, that's I a think smart way to do it. More what I was getting at, I think, is is the idea that they're they're they they say that, but I don't think they're like, as you said, I don't think they're going to go out and force because the 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 free agents aren't really there to go and get like, we're going to go get a veteran second baseman and, and force them to beat them. Like, I, I don't see that happening necessarily, no, but instead they're kind of, they're kind of walking the fence there. Uh, and, and so I've just had this, well, this general sense that they're not really, they may not add another bat uh, this, this year, but I, I do feel like they may 
target another pitcher or two. And I'm, I'm curious if right. you got that feeling from being down there. Well, 100%. He said it. He said it. He said we might be done with bats. They're still look. They're still going to look for a veteran catcher who can kind of toggle and be an insurance policy at AAA and help Dingler get ready. Um, but you got to remember, there's other guys here. It's not like they're, they're not going to go get Whit Merrifield when Andy Banez could will, will probably start at second base. You know what I mean? And, and uh, Veerling is going to start at third and play a lot of third base. McKintree, who has is out of options, is going to have a chance to kind of be that 26 man in outfield infield guy and be like the the, the regular super utility guy. They've not given up on Kreidler. Um, they've not given up on Maton. So there's guys there. So there's no earthly need to get unless unless it's a a guy who they see is a young upgrade on the guys that are there right now and who could be in that mix better than Ibanez, better than Kins, better than Nevin, whoever you want to say that's in that big cluster of guys. Um, it's the only way I think that they're going to get another bad here. I, they're like, I, I looked, I looked up and down, unless you're going to pay big money and block a guy who I don't see anybody that's, that's intriguing to me. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I can think of, too, is for a team like Baltimore, for example, that have a couple prospects, say, like Joey Ortiz, who's been hitting pretty well. And in, in, But again, Baltimore doesn't seem like they're the type of team that's willingly going to trade their prospect capital. I mean, we saw that a little bit last year or this year in the trade deadline. But I, I think that if you look at somebody like Sawyer Gibson Long and uh, even uh, to a certain extent, Reese Olsen, my my only concern is I think the Tigers are going to be more aggressive with pitching, but it seems like now for the first time, and I'm actually I, I'm saying this sincerely, it's the first time in a long time, Chris, that you look at the Tigers' depth in the minor league pitching wise. Like last coming into this year, like Chris and I, we were we didn't think anything of Sawyer Gibson Long. I'll be honest, we were we were just like, oh, you know, this is the guy they got. And suddenly, when you when we were hearing from the coachings that or the coaching staff that. They're like, hey, throw a changeup, no problem. And he's willing to do all these things. And suddenly he's a weapon. It goes, his K per nine jumps up two from eight to like almost over 10. That to me also, I think they can draw, if they wanted to trade, they actually, for, for the first time, draw up a position of strength, which is how they're developing pitching. That, that you just mentioned this, the biggest strength that they have going. And that's their development team now and the, and the, and the tools that are in place. I mean, you can look at just look at the jump in uh, spin rate for Olsen. You know, these these dudes. I mean, they're they're learning stuff down there. They're teaching them stuff, and and they're becoming better. Uh, cautionary word, I guess. Sawyer was great in September. Joey Joey Wentz was great in September. I mean, September um, is not the best month to evaluate guys. It just isn't, and we've seen it over and over. I think Sawyer's got really good stuff. He's got a really good head on his shoulders. He's um, he works. He's a, he's a maniacal about stuff. You know what I mean? He's like real studious, real um, analytics conscious and, and, and um, does everything right. And his stuff will play. But again, we need to see more. Like, I don't, I'm not sure he gets a rotation spot to start the season. Right. Unless, you know, Casey's going to be limited. So there's going to be a lot of things we need to figure out. I mean, is, is Reese going to be the same? Reese was like, you talked about Sawyer. Reese came out of nowhere. I mean, in spring training, he wasn't even competing. You know what I mean? So he, it was like, okay, it's spring training first month in Toledo. He's getting rocked. And then he's got like a three thirty five hundred spin rate on his stuff. Like what's happened? What, what just happened? So that's, that's the exciting stuff. And that's what development is. That's what it's all about. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of curious. Like 
when you think, I mean, we're still a couple months away from this, right? There's still a lot to be, to be shaken out, but you mentioned some of the guys who are out of options. And, and I, th- I believe Joey Wentz is one of those guys and Correct. they've lost Tyler Alexander. So they don't longer have the, the bulk reliever lefty. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see if, if they try to bring somebody else for that or they try to well, they will. that role. We talked to uh, Scott, um, one of the, one of, one of our times with Scott, we talked about, well, do you need a left-handed starter? Cause you know, Tarek is the only left-handed starter. He's like, nah, I'm not worried about that, but the left-handed reliever would be nice. It's not like a need, but it's a want. So I, I think there will be a lefty, another lefty coming, maybe another a righty too. They're not, they're not done adding pitching. And I, I think there's going to be a, a Michael Lorenzen type signing still coming for the rotation. Could even be Michael Lorenzen. You know what I mean? They're, they're going to let that kind of sift down and see, see who's, who's left there. Um, but yeah, they, they're not going to stop um, bringing in pitching. They're not going to stop bringing in waiver dudes either. You'll see, you know, he'll he'll take a flyer on some guy thinking he's, you know, one notch above what they got. You know, that, so there's going to be a lot of movement, but not the movement that everybody's clamoring for. You know, it's not going to be Matt Chapman. It's not going to be you know, whoever else you want to say, Kevin Kiermeyer, whoever else is out there that, that, you know, you think is a big name or they our fans think is a big name. It would be a sexy ad. That, that's not what they're looking for. Yeah, and I, I think, like, for example, I saw earlier today that Kansas City is interested in Seth Lugo. And I, that would, I'm, I, here's the thing. It's not that's bad. a good guy. That's a good guy, but I think he wants multi years. Yeah. They're not yeah. giving. They're not going to give him multi years. Well, so one how of the about, things that we you heard double his money, man. <laughs> well, we could talk to you about that because we we had a podcast last night, and and uh, and the narrative got out there um, that Erod didn't want to pitch on the West Coast, and I went back and looked. And you you wrote an article about it. All the beat guys wrote an article. He actually talked to the press in Pittsburgh, I think it was, and said, no, it was never about the West Coast. It was never about the Dodgers. But but fans Here's, just decided that he didn't want to go to the West Coast. It's, it's unbelievable. The Like, people don't want – I get it. They, they'll see the Twitter. Um, I'll, I'll post a story or, or Evan or whoever will post a story, and there will be a headline on the story. They won't call up the story because it's behind a paywall. So they just go off this little – sentence and just say oh my god he doesn't want to play out west oh he hates the tigers he screwed the tigers no he did not and then i get i get i get um emails saying or text saying oh man he harris is so weak he just he just bowed down to that Harris screwed that all up no harris didn't give him the opt-out or the no trade clause harris did there was not trust me on this the um attention the um Nobody wanted him. Like nobody wanted Erod Erod at the deadline. The Dodgers were by far. They're not only one of the few um, people going after him. They gave him by far the best offer. And if I'm Eduardo, okay, you you fought for the right to have these things in your contract. You just have gotten your marriage and your home life back together, kind of. You know, and his wife loved it in, in Birmingham. She truly did. They didn't move after the season. They stayed there. You know, they, they stayed there probably up until right now when he signed with with uh, with Phoenix. So all of that is like nothing against the Tigers. Why would he take up and leave the Dodgers? If the Dodgers would have given him that, that extra year, he would have gone for a month. He would have gone for a month. But for not for nothing else on his contract, uproot his family again, even if it's just for a month. No, I just got this to where everybody's happy. So he stays in Detroit, he plays his card, and he doubles his money. How can anybody be mad at him? Or the, what were the Tigers supposed to do? You want to keep pounding the mail on Alavila? Go ahead. But that was the deal that he had to make to sign him, and this is the outcome. So I, I'm not mad at anybody for that, especially not Eduardo. 
Yeah. I mean, he liked, he legitimately liked it. He, but he wanted, he likes money more. He likes security more. I can't, it, how do Everybody we would. That? I, I mean, he's going in a situation too, where the Diamondbacks, if, if Chris mentioned this yesterday, in the postseason, they had four or five straight bullpen starts. A lot of their starts were bullpen starts, oh, yeah. and he needed a pitcher so he can come in. And also, I learned yesterday that no one knows that Arizona is in the Southwest. It's not on the West Coast. <laughs> I mean, I Wait, was what? so I was getting, I was getting so mad about that. It was, I was sitting there going, "Does it even basic geography? When you think of coast, it's on a coast body of water." Chris, <laughs> I, I, like I know we're old. I understand that, but come on, come on. Uh, Phoenix is not or. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I get it. I was do. I do. You should see when I when I go through my timeline. I used to snipe back, but that just takes up so much energy. I, I can't do it anymore. So now I'm I either mute, block, or ignore. That's my to my yeah. go to. Mute, block, and ignore in that order. Yeah. Well, and the, and the other uh, kind of you know everything seemed to happen late night on Wednesday, and, and right yeah. around the same time as as uh, the Soto Trey and Erod signing was Jamer Candelario signing, which I think it, it's. I, mean, I don't think any Tigers fans have any animosity towards him, but it is kind of fun to, to think, especially for him, that you know he was a guy who got non-tendered two years ago, and here he is right. getting life-changing money a couple years later. So that's, that was kind yeah. of cool. It was an unexpected signing, though, I'll say that. Real happy for him, man. He worked his butt off. You know, can't, you can't um, redo history. When, when the Tigers no-tendered him, there was no clamor about that. There was nobody pounding the table and say, oh, my God, how are they going to do this? You know, because I mean? he, he really struggled. He really struggled with the two years leading up to that or year and a half leading up to that. And um, he got to Washington. He started to figure some things out, went to the Cubs and, and raked and he earned him. He earned himself this deal. So that, that's a, uh, that's a beautiful thing. I really like him as a person. Um, I know how hard he works. I mean, he, he really does. And it's a hard game and it had nothing has ever come easy for him and for him to turn that, turn his career around. What is he like? Is, 30? Is he almost 30? Yeah, 30, 31. Yeah, so for him to get that before the end, is that's good on him. Yeah, there's the other interesting thing that I took away too was the in, in the impact of potentially with Valley Sports, case in point, the Seattle trade. The Jared Kalanick trade, the Atlanta was one of those that totally completely caught everybody off guard. But I want to get your thoughts on that. I mean, Detroit, we know why, has done well with Valley Sports in terms of the ratings and what have you. But do you still see this significantly impacting any other team, perhaps even in the AL Central? You mean the TV contracts? Yeah, like TV contracts. Yeah, that we're going to see more. I mean, we saw the White Sox spend, but so far it's been very – Cleveland's not going to spend, obviously. We know that. But right. so far it's been like kind of quiet with Kansas City. The White Sox I don't, have that, I don't think the TV contracts – because, you know, the um, MLB will step in. Th those contracts will be done. It, it, the paycheck may come from the MLB – or may come from whatever, however they sort that. And this is way above my pay grade. I'm not, you want to talk to this stuff, talk to Tony Paul or somebody that, that knows a lot more about the inner workings. Um, I don't, I don't know, but I know that the MLB would step in and, and they're not going to have their product not be put out in front of the people. They're going to, in fact, I think the MLB would like to run it themselves anyway. So I think that's the direction it would go before. Like, I, I can't imagine any team like, did you hear? Was it was it written that they traded Kellenic because they couldn't afford him? That was a that was a money uh, a drop there because I thought they just had run their course with him. There there were some reports, and I, I you know I saw it. Uh, guys, we're talking. Yeah. About, it, it sounded like it was a special scenario in Seattle because they had also like teamed up with the Seahawks and some other things, and then suddenly all that money was going away. I, I don't okay. know, and I didn't dig into it too much because I don't live in Seattle. 
Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I hadn't heard that. And I would be shocked if, well, I shouldn't say I should be shocked because that, that is a big piece of money, but I do think they're, they're going to get that money, whether it's from MLB or it's from Bally's or whoever ends up buying the regional networks. Yeah. And that's, yeah, it's just, I was just kind of curious because it just seemed like some of these teams have been a lot quieter than normal, but then again, it could be all pick up once all this movement happens. And so getting back to the Tigers for a moment, uh, one of the observations that I, I liked you made was Kerry Carpenter in right field and right. And, and he did a really good job in right field. There's a, a throw down, down in Minnesota, in Minnesota where he gunned somebody down showing his range and, in Erie, he wasn't bad in outfielder too. I remember when the, the whole hangup was, I, I didn't think he was a butcher in right field, comparatively speaking to somebody like, I don't know, Roberto Campos, who uh, that's a, that's a, yeah. I mean, it, we, I remember telling Tony Paul, he's like, oh yeah, we heard he's a butcher. We're like, no, he's good. And then the same day Tony Paul shows up to the game. What do you mean, Chris, what do you mean, two errors that game? Yeah, that was a bummer. <laughs> yeah. That was a bummer. We were out there and Tony Paul's like, game. I heard he's a butcher. I'm like, like, oh, he's really good. And he goes out there and, and takes the, the worst route I've ever seen anybody take in an outfield. Like, he ran in front of the center fielder and the yeah. ball flew over his head. And it was like, what? Um, it happens. No. That's, those mistakes are supposed to be made at that level. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And, and and I do think there is something to, uh, once you reach the big leagues, um, to a certain extent, that some of the concerns are gone. Like, your life concerns, right? You're up there and now you could just focus 100% on on training and getting better as it being outfielder or and yeah. i've been up to the, there enough times to see how hard these guys work every day uh, and i do think carpenter got better in the big leagues he did and and again you know develop the the, the emphasis on development everybody talked about yeah, of course we, we we have coordinators and we always develop our players but the tigers took it to a whole nother level when this new group came in and um george george lombard is incredible with the outfielders um, then they work every day. They have so many crazy drills that they do. Um, if, if, if you don't get better, then you're really a bad outfielder because even, even marginally, you know, I mean, Kerry, Kerry is not going to win a gold glove. He's just not, it's not, but if he hits 30 home runs and plays like defense, like he did last year, who wouldn't take, him? he's gonna make a lot of money. Yeah. And we've seen all across baseball that, that, uh, if you've got a good enough bat, they'll, they'll hide you in the outfield and, and be just fine. I mean, that's kind of what Philadelphia yeah. is doing with everybody. I know. I, I like that, that. Like I like AJ's uh, philosophy on that. Like, I'm going to try you first. I'm going to believe that you can do it first, and then you show me you can't, and then we'll we'll adjust. And I think he's done that. You know, he put put Andy Abanez out in right field, and Andy wasn't even taking reps. And you know, you you got to do it. And when you have a lineup like they're going to have, where it's going to be a lot of mix and match, and he's going to try to play the, you know, play the games the, with the righty lefties and and whatever matchups he see fit, you're going to move guys around. I don't mind that. I think it's fun. I think it's fun to watch games like that. I love to watch the chess match. I'm sure you guys do too. It's fun to see like, what's he thinking down the road? Why is he pinching hit, pinching him there instead of this other guy? And that's fun stuff to me. I think, I, I think it should be to most fans. Yeah. And especially if you look at another outfielder that comes to mind too, is Akil Badu, who we saw improve. Even when he got sent down to Toledo, the route he was taking on the ball was much better. And he showed, an arm that wasn't there before. And I think maybe because right. post-surgery, those, those kind of things, but a Badu's role. Now you've seen that can is here. I'm wondering where do you see his role? Is he going to continue to be kind of like a bench bat? Uh, it just seems like that side with that, with that trade, it seems like his bats might be limit, might be limited. No, they're going to, he's going to have all the bats he wants. Cause they're going to come at triple a. 
I feel like he's he's the he's the option. I think he's the he's got the hardest road, he's the toughest job coming into camp because right now he is the odd guy out. You know, when Canada there and Riley's back and Carpenter and, and Malloy and you know Veerling's gonna play a lot of third base, but he's still a really good outfielder, McKinstry. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of things going on there. Um, and Badu, I mean, I, I think they st- they still could put him in a trade package, um, but I think he's going to be the one that's really on the outside. And you know, if somebody gets hurt, he, he's he's moving right because he because he took strides last year. But um, right now, man, he's the he's the odd man out, and he has you know he has options left. So he's he's a guy that could be toggled back and forth a little bit this year. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think one of the things we learned about. Scott Harris last year is he does have to he likes to have more big league caliber players in as depth in Toledo than than Alavila did. I, I maybe he, not that he likes it more. He just did a better job of doing that. But um, <laughs> what you just said. But the other, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we we were also speculating uh, that now with San Diego making that that Soto trade, they they no longer they lost two of their main outfielders. And they don't have any left-handed hitters on their lineup, basically. It's basically Jake, Jake Cronenworth now. So I thought that might be an interesting landing spot for for one of the yeah. Tigers' left-handed outfielders. So not necessarily Badu, but, I mean, he, he'd he be the one that they'd probably be most willing to part with. I promise you that Scott and Jeff uh, Greenberg, they're, they're exploring all those. Because I, I know they would like to get something. You know, they, they don't they don't want to bury Akil necessarily. And, but then they and they do want to see if he if he, he comes he could he could win a job like he's not he's a talented guy he's an athletic guy we saw what he can do when he's right he's he's a menace on the bases and, and he's an energy guy spark guy but um if, if they can trade him and get something to improve in other areas if they can get a starting pitcher and a deal back for Badu and whoever else that's what they're looking for that's that's the deals that are going to come more so than a free agent signing unless it's a pitcher you know pitch, free agent pitcher is a different story so, I mean, one of the things I, I wanted to get from you uh, as somebody who's never been to the winter meetings uh, and, you know, as people, we sit around and, and looking at Twitter, waiting for things to happen. I mean, what's it like be, being there when you're there? And, and, you know, we get the idea that like, like, hey, absolutely nothing's happening. But I assume there's meetings going on constantly around you and you're, I don't know if you're hearing whispers or anything like that, or if everybody's just kind of pulling up to the bar. Well, <laughs> first of all, I couldn't even find the damn bar. The place oh. is so big and so confusing. Um, but there's two ways of doing it. There's, there's the John Hamans of the world who, who prowl, prowl the, uh, they walk around and walk around and walk around all the, like the GMs and the, and the uh, presidents and the agents, they're, they're all meeting all the time. And there's, there's all industry stuff too. Like the trainers are there. The clubbies are there. The clubhouse guys are there. Schmeichel's there. You know, they have all their meetings. It's a, it's a big industry convention. So it's all industry. It's everything. And, um, but the, there's the guys that walk around and try to like snag an agent from the way and try to cornhole, you know, pigeonhole them. And argh, I don't do that. I don't do that. I, mm-hmm. I have my contacts. Most of, most of our job is, is sitting around waiting seriously. Cause we, cause we have our time. We have our set times with AJ and with Hinch or with uh, Scott. And uh, that's we, every day we have access to them, which is why we go. Cause we have that kind of access. We have access to every uh, on Tuesday, Monday and Tuesday, we have access to all the major league managers Whoever we want to talk to, if we want to do an issue story, which I did the other day, you can you can go to each one and ask your questions and gather your stuff. So it's valuable in that sense. There's a lot of stuff to to get and squirrel away. And and Leland made it really happen. You know, we, I had we were lucky when when Tram and Morris made it a few years back. That makes it a lot of fun when you got that's your first two days right there. 
chasing the Hall of Fame stuff. And that's that's a lot of fun. But it's like you said, though, it is a lot of sitting in that massive workroom and just mad and chilly workroom. I had to wear my jacket. We're just sitting in there waiting and waiting and waiting. It, it's not it's not glamorous, man. <laughs> We're not poolside. Well, yeah, and, and like the, the the two big kind of events there are the the new is the, the, the draft lottery, which I don't think many people get to witness, right? Um, yeah, I didn't go. I mean, why? why? I mean, I, you guys you guys are different than me. I, I drafts to me are like I can't. Yeah. I don't love them. And I'm not going to, I'm damn sure not going to go to a draft lottery. I went to the first one because it was the first one. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there really isn't, it's, it's, I have a friend who always said, like, I'm not going to watch draft coverage. I'll just look and see who got drafted. I don't need Hello. to know instant, instantly. But, uh, yeah, we are, we, we like to do that stuff. But then the, the other one is the rule five draft, which is gets, gets more coverage for something that matters. <laughs> it, it's hard I, to, I blame ESPN. Yeah. I blame MLB yeah. Network because they they have to create their content and they they have made made the most boring thing and really inconsequential thing and in, in the grand scheme that's that's there's not a even the Tigers had good luck and had made good picks in the Rule Five draft it's not been uh, franchise altering by any stretch right yeah. so yeah and I knew and well I didn't know but when we had breakfast with AJ that morning he kind of hinted pretty strongly that they weren't going to make a, a pick so. Even though, even though I stumped from my guy from Davenport University, big six eight lefty oh. Grant Wolf, you guys have come yeah, across Grant, Grant, Grant Wolf. It, I remember, you know, I I'm nerdy enough that I used to do mock drafts for the. I used to do like a full forty round mock draft for the Tigers, oh, and I used to God pull guys you. from. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. Well, nobody cared, but me. It was it was basically an exercise for me to learn these drafts. It and. <laughs> I had them fake draft him like seven years ago. I want to say yeah, he was well, they did out of... draft him. They did draft him in fifteen. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think and then he, were, he yeah. went back to he went back to he went to Central first, and then he went to Davenport. But I, I was I was plugging for him. <laughs> lefty reliever, let's go. Yeah, but yeah, that they ended up being one of the the smaller, you know, Rule Five draft halls ever. I think because yeah, I ten think, guys, yeah, ten guys are taken. Yeah. yeah, and and so that makes sense. That yeah, I, I thought maybe the Tigers would take somebody, but uh, no. So that's it's good, fine. It's a good sign, though. I, I argue that that's a good sign because your roster is good enough now where you don't have to, you know, you got the guys. The guys that are fighting for these jobs are better than who you would have gotten with the eleventh pick. And especially you look at the fact that here they are with. I, I personally think you're talking about this with Badu, and it's the same situation with Mason Engler. Engler is going to provide depth. Because both, if you look at the rotation down Toledo, I, I think he's going to get some time. I think personally, because of his repertoire, might be better suited as a starter. But with like the, the reason why I was thinking about Badu when you mentioned Toledo is that the Tigers right now, outfield wise, outside of Detroit, kind of have a little bit of a drop off. And so I, I'm just kind of be interested to see how they would position Badu. But getting back to Engler, I, I personally think he would be a, a good starter for Toledo because I. I I think that's where he's going to start the season, at least in my opinion, because it just allows him to work out some of the mechanics or some of the issues he was having. What what Scott told us was, Engler is going to be stretched out as a starter. A lot of guys are going to be stretched out as a starter. They're going to they're going to stretch them all up brisky. They're going to stretch them out, mm. you know. But more than likely, most of those guys will end up in in relief. Brisky is going to be a reliever. I can't see any way that they, mm. if he makes the big league team, he's going to be in the bullpen. That's just because they're still going to have to worry about innings with guys, even Reese, right? I mean, even Reese, you're going to have to worry about innings a little bit. So um, they're going to stretch all these guys, which they should in spring, have them all ready to go 
and then then kind of make a decision after that. But I, th- I think England will end up staying in the rotation because you're what exactly you said it right is stuff. He's got enough variance to his stuff where he can he can go two t- two times to line up. He's got to get healthy. He's got to get the velo back though, man. That yeah. was the weirdest thing ever that he just yeah. the power was gone. So he's kind of I've they were saying that he he's retooled a lot of things. You know, he's retooled a lot of things in his workouts and he's got his hip hip fire back or whatever the mechanics they were saying about it. And he's back. He's back to getting the the, the velocity, which is vital. Yeah, yeah that I, I he had the pitch mix to be a starter. You're right. But, you know, when the velocity was dipping down to 90 miles an hour, that's that's not going to cut it these days. No. Um, the, the one guy that I, you know, we got news that Alex Fido uh, is going to get a fourth option year, which yeah. I think is pretty big because he's he's a guy that I they may want to stretch him out again. I, as you said, they're going to stretch out everybody. But but it right. seems to me that his best path at this point is, is just moving permanently to the bullpen because. He's pitched fine when he started, but he, the kid just can't seem to stay healthy for long enough. And, uh, yeah, pitch, and there's other guys. Pitch. Yeah, and the depth you know I mean? the, the depth has gotten to the point where where he's gonna. It's I, I don't see him beating out Reese Olsen or even Sawyer Gipser Long at this point. No, he's Fido is a very effective two pitch pitcher. He's got two pitches and and he works it up and down. And I think you're right. I think that's his role. But I, but I think it's smart of them. To stretch him because even in out of the bullpen, they want him multiple. They want everybody to be multiple innings. Yeah. So he's the guy that I think plays that bridge role really well, you know. And I don't, I don't think we ever want to see him go a third time through the order, you know. So that's a, that's a good spot for him. And I, I, I'm confused. You guys maybe have a better feel for this than I do, but a fourth year option is great for the team. I think it sucks for the player though, right? Because because it's like now that they know that they're going to be toggled again. Like, like they, I think they would rather have no option and go win a job or else let me go and let me find some place where I can make a big league roster. No, you yeah, agree? I, I, I think for, I think for sure I, with, with Fido, it just, he happened to have the injury at the worst possible time for, for him and really for the Tigers where it, yeah. you know, I think he had, he had just gotten added to the 40 man and then got hurt. Uh, and so, but yeah, that's, I, I think any player probably wants to, and we saw this with Spencer Turnbull, uh, wants to get those years out of the way as soon as possible <laughs> yeah that's, that's a whole yeah. other saga that we do not want yeah. to talk about on this podcast no so no 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 that's a that's a off the record kind you guys of stuff. Gonna but have no, to but... get me a beer before i tell you that <laughs> yeah well i mean you and i have exchanged notes about that before what i heard at west michigan well again we'll talk about that other day but the, i think well fiedo is what's i to me i, I see a team that could weaponize him and so I think this is a good opportunity for the Tigers because I, th- I think there's stuff there. He has good swing and miss stuff with those two pitches, but I, th- I staying healthy is one of the biggest things. And we noticed last year he went back to that windup he had in Florida um, where he was he was able to kind of maybe cause an issue. I'm not really sure, but I, I think he's the kind of pitcher that elsewhere, like Tampa or somebody like could weaponize him based off his, his arsenal. No, I think the Tigers have weaponized him too. And I, and I think yeah. – that going back to that arm slot was the Tigers' idea. That's his natural arm slot. And the, he ended up getting hurt himself when he changed, when they tried to change him. So that's you, you had that flip kind of because his natural thing is where he's, he's most comfortable. And the last injury was freaky. It wasn't an arm injury. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's that stupid finger thing that messes up. When, when I think it's when he throws his change up and he's trying to mm-hmm. – he finally got to where he could actually throw his change up 
and it would cause that blister and rip the nail and he had to do the whole thing. So that's a freaky thing. I don't, I don't even consider that like an injury that it was like the Tigers would be worried about that. You fix it. It's not like, you know, you're his shoulder or his elbow, yeah. like he had in the past. So, and he's a big, strong kid. He's also pay attention to, cause he's working out with Scooble in Arizona this off season. Oh. And if you saw Scooble come back from his last workout, you know, he's a grown man now. And I, I, if I, you know, Fido's six, eight or whatever, six, seven, he comes back and built like, <laughs> by like Tarek that we might be looking at something there. He might be throwing a hundred. Who knows? That's what I, I remember. You know, I, I only came down to the ballpark a couple times last year, but one of the times I was standing uh, by the dugout and, and I see Scooble and Foley walk by. I'm like, good Lord, these, these are large men. But right. then, but then Reese Olsen walks by. I'm like, Hey, all right, I can handle that. <laughs> yeah. Reese, Reese is, a, he's a, he's a, um, Angel faced assassin, you know, he look he looks like a like a baby, but he throws throws the heck out of it. Yeah, it's it's weird seeing a guy you know, he's he's probably five eleven, six feet tall and hundred and eighty pounds or whatever, but he's throwing ninety-seven, ninety-eight. It's like man, yeah, I don't got, know where this comes from. Player, competitor, man. He's a competitor. One one last question for you. There's there's kind of a is there a push? I mean, we, we talked about this with my to being signed that potentially well potentially it could be re- used as recruitment for other Japanese pitchers. But uh, do you see that happening? I mean, in terms of, like, I know, I feel like Yamamoto is going to New York or, or San Francisco, but you have the lefty and I'm drawing, why am I drawing a blank on his name? Imanaga. Igamaga. Thank you. I, was, I knew I was going to butcher his name, but as <laughs> far as I know, I'm not saying <laughs> but I know the Tigers have some interest in him as well, allegedly, but, do you see this beginning? Is this going to be different from the Masao Kita days? Because I mean, you were on the, you were on the Pistons beat then, but you, you remember when the Tigers signed him? That was a that was a big deal. Yeah, but this is way different because yeah, Maeda right. is an established pitcher. I mean, way he's different. A, yeah, he's a legit pitcher, and they didn't sign him to recruit Japanese players. Right. It's like that. That is like, like if 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 it happens, he has a good experience here, and you know. He, you know, he, he would love to have a Japanese teammate. Sure. But that's not, that's so far. Like the, the way you recruit Japanese players is to win, pay them a boatload of money. And, and, you know, there's nothing in this Detroit area. I mean, there's a, there's a Japanese community in this, in Michigan, in Detroit area, big one, you know, it's not like this is a, to, it would be like a total culture thing, you know, other than wherever else they might go in the United States. So I, I don't I never bought into that. I, I hated to even write it when it was coming up because I'm like, no, you're coming here to, to get this pitching staff better, to anchor this pitching staff, make 30 starts. That's what you're coming here for. You're on a one year deal or two year deal. I'm sorry, two year deal. So you're not. I, I, would they like to be bigger players in the Japanese talent market? Absolutely. But they just now started to, to kind of make those inroads. They can't put that on Kenta. That's so unfair. Like, listen, we want you to make 30 starts and we want you to run, make make our team better. But, hey, if you could, you know, go talk to these dudes and get them over here, we'll sign them. You know, that's 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 a fallacy. I, I, don't, I don't buy that. Yeah, I don't I don't buy it either. And I think that even getting the vibe from the press conference, too, that he he really just wants to go and do the best job he can. And, and just that was by the way, that press conference was pretty sweet in the sense of just how he kept adding the interpreter after a yeah. while and he wanted to cool. show his personality and i like that i, I like i wish more guys because a lot of guys like like andy and them they'll just let carlos the interpreter just say it and, and you can't really get a feel for who he is i thought kenton tried to really show 
his personality. He's the guy's in Minnesota. He's hilarious. He's 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 a good guy. He's a fun guy to be around. He likes to have fun. He's kind of crazy in 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 his own way. And he wanted to show some of that. I, I did. I agree with you. I like that too. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's because like when then the interpreter would go in and pause and start laughing. He goes, and then the, the answer, especially about Detroit being well known in Japan, that was that was interesting. Yeah. So Chris, yeah, not, not Detroit, of, the logo. The logo, yeah, the logo itself, yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah, because actually the swag too, because I almost wanted to. uh, Uh Oh, Roger has left the building. He's got he's got a room full of interesting stuff in there. Yeah, I can see that. Oh, oh oh, yeah, there you go. That thing. This is when the Tigers toured Japan in nineteen sixty one, sixty two, and yeah, this is this is sponsored by Bell and Howard, and this is. Yeah, I think um, I think Kmine went over there, but I think Rocky, Cash. yeah, Cash. But yeah, this this tiger is very similar to a tiger logo they have in Japan for one of the teams. So that's Rocky Calavita right there on the cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So yeah, that was sixty one. Cool. I think sixty two, sixty three. Yeah, for Japan. So Maeda was negative thirty at the time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's the thought. But uh, so Chris, what do you in terms of uh, we wanted plug your stuff so obviously people can find you at the course uh that news.com but what else you got going on this offseason and um also do you are you grateful that it's not the pistons beat anymore right yeah that's a little that's heartbreaking it's, it's so weird that was such a big part of my life 16 years covering that and we had a championship run and all that and now it just seems like a whole different league to me like i don't the, the product on the floor is not the same. They can't, they legislate a defense. It seems like completely out of the game. And I don't know the people anymore. I used to know, like I used to know that from the officials all the way down to the agents. And wow. It's just like, that's, that wasn't that long. Right. Oh, nine was my last year covering them. And it's just like a whole different frontier. Now I don't, I barely recognize it. And I, I hate to see what's happening to, uh, to the, to the team, but you can't change the foundation every year. You have at some point, figure out what you're going to build around. And it seems like to me, just looking at it from the outside that they, they have a different philosophy every year. Like Kate Cunningham, well, what are you going to do around him? You can't just draft Kate Cunningham and say, this is our guy. You gotta, you gotta have a plan. Like what's, what's this team going to look like around him? And I don't think they've ever done that. Have they? As far as you can tell. Oh, no, it, it, what do I, I think that, that's, that's the main thing is, is, well, you touch on it. Like, whenever the Pistons have been really good, it's been kind of built on the foundation of strong defense, and defense just really isn't allowed anymore. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, you got to find a way around that. But yeah, it, it, it feels like uh, their current GM doesn't really have a great feel for building a team. He can, he no, can get a bunch he gets of uh, players, players he, with he, raw talent, but they don't fit together right. at all. Or you don't have the patience enough to let them develop their talent into players. Because you look around the league, there's a lot of Pistons picks and guys with the Pistons for a couple of years who are really good players on other teams right now, winning teams. So I don't know. That's again, not my headache anymore. I got, I got about 10 years of rebuild here behind me here. So I'm trying to pick it for the Tigers. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, all right. So you can find Chris on Twitter at, let's see here. I just had it and now I've Steve lost McCarthy. it. Um, at C. Yes, C. C. Yep. And uh, make sure you subscribe to Detroit News. Has some deals going on right now to be for subscribers, correct, Chris? For new subscribers, yeah, always. It's it's it's, uh, it's the best deal in town, especially for the holidays. Good gift idea. Put it in the stocking. Awesome. <laughs> are you gonna are you gonna be the uh, killer Christmas tonight? By the way, 
Um, I don't think so. I, I used okay. to go to that religiously, um, but I've it's way far out and yeah, Did probably not. Probably not. I'm gonna send my I'm gonna send my support telepathically. <laughs> that's just that that's a lot of people in one place man i just i just remember yeah, like, just, killer, like kind of screwed in there that's that's the other reason too you can't yeah. even park right you gotta yeah the killer was a big part of me I mean, we were friends forever and you know we, we i was on the lines beat when he died you know so we were that was in effect i was with him the, the night before we were having beers wow. and it was yeah it was the night before and we went to practice the next day and he didn't show up and then we found out this, I'm still like I still like can't even believe it that he's that he's not with us. Sad. He was a, I was a big fan of his on the fan when he did stuff with Belizean all yeah. the time, and that was one of those things growing up. Uh, when I wanted to change a pace from Dominsky and Doyle, I was dating myself there. Uh, I went with uh, those guys. But uh, Chris, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it, and I will uh, we'll be Chris. talking soon, my friend. I appreciate you guys. You guys do great work. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you yeah. too.